0: for last.
1: WXDXFM Pittsburgh.
0: You know what I hate most about the pirates' abject cowardice in the wake of Rizzo's slide yesterday? I hate the blah blah blah. The pirates are big on the blah blah blah. David Freeze went after Cora, the coach, in the dugout. Why didn't Freeze run out on the field to go after Rizzo? Sean Rodriguez said after the game, the players need to have each other's backs, unquote. Okay, then, Serpico, run out on the field after Rizzo. Hit something besides a water cooler. You weren't chained to the bench, although the way Sean Rodriguez has been hitting, that would not be a bad idea. If he tried to punch Rizzo, Sean Rodriguez probably wouldn't make solid contact. He's hitting 184 this year and hit 167 last year. What a bum. Then, after the game, the Pirates had a closed-door meeting. They probably did that to convince themselves, we're not cowards, we're all in this together. We won't let this happen again. Like I said, blah, blah, blah. And they will let this happen again. Crick could have drilled somebody. Rich Rodriguez could have drilled Rizzo. Five Pirates ran toward first base after hitting the ball on the eighth and ninth. Rizzo is right there. That's his position. Somebody could have clattered Rizzo or said something or started something, and that includes Diaz, who it out five to three. Anybody could have run out of the Pirates' dugout after that slide. Getting even is at rocket science. To quote Jackie Moon in semi pro, somebody hit somebody! I hate baseball's silly culture, but it is the culture, so the pirates have got to abide. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Okay, here's more from Yoi's story about Phil Kess. He says his health remains a mystery because Kessel never spoke with the media following the Capital Series. But Josh did say, quote, Kessel was furious that he wasn't deployed regularly on a line with Evgeny Malkin in the playoffs. He spent most of his time skating with Riley Shane or Derek Broussard as his center, and Kessel felt this was unproductive for the team and for himself. Sullivan believed this attitude to be selfish, unquote. Uh, by way of telling you what I know. Sully wants there to be balance. He wants the three stars on separate lines. He's very stubborn, very Balsma-esque when it comes to that particular facet of what he wants his team to be, his vision, and he's got to get away with that because just dividing your stars among three lines doesn't get you balance. Dominic Simone on Sid's line, Riley, Shane, Center, and Phil, that doesn't get you balance. Yo, he continues, quote, multiple people in the Penguins organization believe Kessel was pouty about the situation and it could have affected his performance. Sullivan infamously informed the media that Kessel was not dealing with a significant injury following the series against the Capitals, a comment that managed to snatch everyone's attention. The Penguins coaching staff appreciates that Kessel plays every game but it has been annoyed by Iron Man streaks in the past. At the conclusion of the 2016-17 regular season, the Penguins were scheduled to finish the season with a meaningless game against the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Ian Cole and Kessler played 81 games this season. Sullivan told them that while he understood playing 82 games was an accomplishment, he wanted them to sit and preserve their bodies for the more important games that were to come. Cole agreed. Kessel refused and played that night. Kessel is not a problem in the locker room. Is he an ideal role model for young players? Probably not. He's the first guy off the ice at practice on most days and presumably spends more time at Rivers Casino than he does Breaking down game film. But you know what? It works for him. It just does. His lifestyle is partially why he's become such a rock star in Pittsburgh. He lives as you or I would want to live if we had that kind of talent. You couldn't have a room full of players like this, but Kessler's actually popular among his teammates. He doesn't wear a letter on his chest and never signed up for that, but he certainly produces points, which is what he's paid to do. Few NHL players are, frankly. That's from Josh Yoey. If you'd like to comment, I'll 412-333-WXDX. And uh, you know, we continues, Sullivan is front and center in this story. His power in the organization is almost unlimited. Sure, Jim Rutherford is the GM and has the final say on many topics, but he typically defers to Sullivan's preferences. Rutherford has told me on many occasions that Sullivan is the greatest coach he's ever been around, and with that comes great power. Yes, Kessel produces. To many, that should be enough. For Sullivan, it often isn't. Ian Cole was a good defenseman who was getting the most out of Jamie Alexiak earlier this season, providing the Penguins with an outstanding third pairing. However, Cole's personality long had aggravated Sullivan, who believed the defenseman spent too much of his free time touting his attributes to the media. The two had multiple closed-door meetings about this. That Cole was made available via trade wasn't based on his merit as a player and really wasn't because of his expiring contract. The coach and the player Simply didn't see eye to eye. And Yoey uh, continues that Daniel Sprong didn't play more because of Sullivan, that Murray was kept over Flurry because Murray was always Sullivan's choice. There was no debate. Uh, one, one thing that Yoey that kind of implies is Kessel's a cartoon character. That's why he's popular in the dressing room. Honestly, they don't take him seriously. He's a cartoon character. And that's okay, you know, whatever it takes to fit in, but that's how Phil fits in. And Yoey says, I don't think Sullivan likes Kessel very much, and I believe the feeling is mutual. And then he says, from what I've been told, the Penguins aren't actively seeking a trade involving Kessel, but they're willing to listen if anybody makes an offer. I've been told the opposite, that they are going to shop Kessel. At any rate, it's a heck of a story. Check it out by Josh Yoey at theathletic.com. Let's go to Big Z in Fox Chapel. Big Z, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, how are you today? Good.
2: Um, So my, I think this is a very interesting conundrum in the sense that Sully and Bilesma are similar but different in the fact that Dan sort of seemed to be like a guy who wanted to please the players, telling them they could play with.
0: Oh, that that nothing could be further from the truth. What's that? Nothing could be further from the truth. Well, didn't, didn't he let Sid play with Dupuis? Nothing could that be further. No, Well, play. yeah, I, he had Sid play with Dupuis, but when you say he wanted to please the players, that didn't please a Ginla. Well, right, and that's
2: why you need to find, like, a happy middle ground somewhere. And, and, and in, in this case, you saw that the production didn't lie when Kessel played with Malk and the Penguins produced points and goals. I mean, the, the, that didn't lie. Whereas, you know, th- there wasn't a person to tell Sid that, hey, you know what, you're going to play with a Ginla, or or else, you know. I mean,
1: it's just. It's well, they would never have gotten
0: Ginella if they weren't going to play him with Sid. That's why Ginella came to Pittsburgh. Correct. But so, so I mean, but let's not act like Dan. Dan was a good coach for exactly one half a season in the playoffs. After exactly, that, he was I horse manure. One thing, I'm, and I'm a big Sullivan fan. I'm writing to call about all this tomorrow for the trip. Okay, and, and and I don't want to come off as excoriating Sullivan. But Mike, the, the one complaint I have about Mike being inflexible is he should have played Kessel with Malkin because that team this past year didn't have the components to have balance among three lines. In 1970, totally Malkin agree. played with Kessel, and they won the Cup. But Mike was trying to indulge his vision this year. He was being stubborn about that concept, the concept of balance. He's a great coach, but... Sometimes the, the best part of being a great coach is knowing when your vision isn't working and finding a different vision because it's not your vision that's important. Your vision isn't important at all. Winning is important. That's the only goal. And and one thing Selby needs to remember, too, and I'm giving away the end of my column for tomorrow, but it's such a good line I can't resist. Okay. The Penguins aren't a coach's team. They have never been a coach's team. They're a player's team. And even Scotty Bowman had to find that out the hard way. It's a player's team here in Pittsburgh. Well, I was sorry I didn't go to Kiev for the Champions League final. This just moving Russian journalist and Kremlin critic Arkady Babchenko shot dead in Kiev. Am I a Kremlin critic? Not anymore. Not after this. 4-1-2-3-3-3-9-9-39. 4-1-2-3-3-3-9-9-39. So we want your reaction to Yoey's piece in the Athletic. I think the Kessel situation is a big test for Sullivan, and I'm a Sullivan guy. You see, I'm from the school that you can criticize but not bash, that you can point out flaws but still have somebody's best interest at heart and still want them in their job. But trying to keep that balance was impossible. And he tried to do it anyway. Riley Shane centering Phil Kessel is a joke. Riley Shane didn't score for 79 games the year before that, playing top nine minutes in Detroit and some power play time. He's not the kind of player with enough talent to center Phil Kessel. He just isn't. And, and while we're on the topic, Shane ahead of Broussard on the depth chart—that's ridiculous too. So mistakes were made, and every coach makes mistakes but you can't be stubborn and repeat them. Like I said, it's a player's team. You don't believe me? Ask the owner. See what he thinks. 105.9 The X.
1: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark Madden? It is. A double M. Big fan.
0: I think there's a better chance of me and Selena Gomez being parents to triplets. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. If we're just tuning in, uh, MLB said that the umpires blew the call last night, that uh, Rizzo's slide did interfere with Diaz. I guess that meant the guy at the, the, the batter should have been declared out at first base, but it wouldn't have made a difference in the game because the Cubs won quite handily and we're ahead for nothing at the time of that play. Here's Hurdle's response. In this particular case for the industry, I'm glad the industry knows now when you watch it again, that that slide's not going to work, unquote. Yeah, who cares? Throw it, Rizzo. He tried to put your catcher out. It was a questionable slide. Don't be the Cubs' bitch your whole life, Clint. And all that cowardice gets traced back to the manager. Make no mistake. Don't be the Cubs' bitch. Somebody do something tonight. At long last, somebody do something. Because if you don't have the guts to even up the score... In a culture where you have to, you don't have the guts to make the playoffs either. Uh, David Fries got in an argument with the third base coach, Joey Cora, in the dugout after the game. And they had to be separated. David Fries said today, obviously I'm not going to get into what went down. But all I'll say is me and Joe, we've been great since he got up here. Had a little hiccup, ironed it out, and we're good to go, unquote. That's good, David. So tonight, instead of going after your own third base coach, go after Anthony Rizzo because he tried to break your catcher's leg yesterday. And when I say he tried to break Elias Diaz's leg, he didn't try maliciously to break his leg. He tried to take him out to mess up his throw to first base, which he did, but could very easily have hurt him in the process. One thing great about the MLB decision that the call got screwed up was that Joe Madden, who's a jerk, the Cubs manager, he said it was the perfect play and fans are being taught the wrong thing. So he was just full of crap when he opened his mouth last night, as Joe Madden so often is, full of crap just about every time he opens his mouth. Now, Now let's review the opportunities the Pirates had to get something back. Just with Rizzo in particular, he batted. Not even pitched inside, let alone knocked down, let alone hit. Five Pirates ran to first base after hitting the ball in the eighth and ninth. Could have run into him, could have confronted him, gotten his beak a little bit. Could have done something, including Diaz, who ran to first base after he'd been done dirty by Rizzo. But nobody did. They're, they're a cowardly team. They're a cowardly bunch. They're dirty yellow dogs, is what the pirates are. No, they have a plan. They know what they're doing. They're going to win. Beat them, bucks. Yeah, they have a plan to be yella, the cowards of the county. They better hope the Gatlin boys don't come calling because there's three of them. Remember that song Kenny Rogers is about gang rape. It was number one hit, was about gang rape. Yikes. You know who should do a remake of that is Roseanne, since she's got time on her hands. There's rules for being funny now, gang. Ain't no disputing, there's rules for being funny. 412 333 39 Let's go to Tim in Oakland. Tim, you're on with Double M. What I meant. What up? Uh, do you think if Sullivan uh, were to make Kessel happy and play him with Malkin, that uh, Kessel would be more open to taking uh, games off when he is banged up? No. You Kessel wants to preserve that Kessel? consecutive game streak at pretty much any expense. Okay, gotcha. Kessel, Kessel bro. Let me let me finish. Kessel is selfish. I mean, he's a ninety-two point scorer, but he's selfish. Okay, people love him because he's a cartoon character, but he's selfish. Like like Yoey wrote on The Athletic today, Kessel has been a pain in the ass to every single coach he's ever played under. I don't know how much more clear we could be when we're talking about Phil Kessel. Up next, he is the godfather of Pittsburgh sports media. He's getting inducted into the Pirates Press Box Hall of Fame along with some guy who used to clean toilets at the Post-Gazette. He is one of the greatest of all time. He is Stan Saverin up next on 105.9. He's brittle. He's a mind. He's not an R. He's a brain. He's not a body. The X at 105.9. Joining me now, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. He is the great Stan Saverin. Stan... Was Rizzo's slide dirty? Uh, MLB said today it was illegal, but what was his intent?
2: Uh, I think his intent was um, primarily to break up a double play, but also to initiate contact if he possibly could. Um, I don't know that he's looking to – I don't know if he was going all Tom Wilson on anybody, uh, but he is a repeat offender. He did it to Austin Hedges, the Padres catcher, um, did the same thing. They look almost identical, except yesterday's was worse. Uh, but, again, nothing was done last time. So if they don't penalize you, you know, guys will keep uh, doing it. Um, it was a clear violation of the Posey rule. I know a lot of people don't like that rule, uh, but that's a separate discussion. Um, the rule, as it is written now, is designed and devised to – protect catchers from exactly that kind of stuff diaz did what he is supposed to do which is to give the runner a clear path to the plate if you block the plate then you're fair game you know whatever you get you get uh but his uh, responsibility is to allow the runner a clear path to the plate he not only gave him a clear path he gave him the entire turnpike i mean he was three feet on the infield side of the plate Uh, there's just No excuse for it. And I do think it was semi-dirty. I think it was uh, meant to intimidate. When you look at Madden's teams, and remember what happened to Jung Ho Gung, um, and they seem to be crowing about how great a slide that was, too, um, I do think they teach it.
0: Why didn't the Pirates retaliate, and do they need to retaliate tonight? Uh,
2: I don't know why, and they absolutely do. Uh, The time to do that was uh, yesterday in the ninth inning when Rizzo came to the plate. You plunk him, uh, and then you don't have any worries tonight. Now you're putting an inordinate amount of pressure on a kid like a rookie like Nick Kingham. Um, I don't know if he'll be ordered to do something. I don't know if pitchers are left to their own devices, if there's all their decision. Um, and the one thing that would call off tonight, Mark, is if the – and they've done it before. They did it in the Cincinnati series a few years back with McCutcheon. They issued a warning before the game even started which means that if Kingham throws at Rizzo, then Kingham gets thrown out of the game, which is patently unfair, but that's the one thing that would call it off. But going back to that, they absolutely should have retaliated. If Rizzo wants to portray himself as this old school baseball kind of guy, then old school baseball kinds of guys knew that there was a price to pay for playing that way, and they accepted it. I'm gonna get hit. I expect it. I'm um, go ahead. That's part of the game. But they didn't do it. They should have done it. The game was over. It was out of hand. Uh, and, and Rodriguez, although he's a rookie too, still, uh, something should have been done last, well, yesterday afternoon.
0: I agree, and I especially agree with what you're saying about Kingham, who was thrown unfairly tonight into a incendiary situation. Stan, the Pirates soft? Because they never retaliate. All they do is have closed-door meetings. If you're in baseball, you've got to live by the culture, but the Pirates don't really.
2: Yeah, I mean, we go back to the Cincinnati series. Um, you know, with not only that series, but with Dusty, when, when Dusty Baker was there. I mean, it happened all the time. You know, Josh Harrison got hit. And the thing about the Chapman hits on McCutcheon, if you'll remember, Mark, they were up around the shoulder, the neck. It caught him, you know, in the back, you know, up near his head. And those are the kinds of things that, you know, should have been uh, retaliated for. And I remember, and I, I might have the sequencing off, as I recall, it was none other than mild-mannered Charlie Morton um, who nailed Shin Shinsu Chu, and I think Tony Watson nailed Brandon Phillips right in the knee and knocked him out of the game. Um, something's got to be done, um, and it's got to be done, whether a guy's digging in on you and he's hit three home runs in his last six at-bats or something like that. That absolutely called for retaliation. And I realize that a rookie, it puts him in a tough spot, but I guarantee you he would earn the respect of his teammates um, if he did that. And, by the way, it doesn't always have to be the pitcher either. First guy up tonight, it's a ground ball to short. He's running out to first base. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, Anthony. I didn't mean to knock you down while you were fielding it. Um, There are other ways.
0: Is there a bigger jerk than Joe the becomes manager? (laughs) Uh, Stan, Stan, what a tool.
2: Uh, he, you know, he really. Is. We should make it clear that Mark and Joe spell their last names differently. Don't... Oh,
0: and not E, and
2: Exactly. So don't confuse the two. Uh, this guy has been a jerk when he was with Tampa Bay. Now he's with the Cubs. Now he's got a payroll. So now all of a sudden he's a genius. Uh, first of all, his name is not Abner Doubleday. He didn't invent the game. He didn't perfect the game. He's not the smartest person on the planet, as he would have you believe. And, yes, he did win a World Series with a team that his general manager built for him. But I would hasten, and I'm still slightly bitter, he was outmanaged horribly in that series by Terry Francona. He won because the Indians were missing three of their top four starters. So he's not exactly Casey Stingle yet. He's just so arrogant. And then having the nerve, you know, to sort of flip off the reporters and Pittsburgh fans for being ignorant not understanding the rules, it's actually flipped. Major League Baseball has come out today and say they made a mistake. So it sounds like the genius doesn't know the rules as well as the Pirate fans do.
0: The Pirates have lost seven out of nine, Stan. Is this just a normal bad patch or maybe something worse?
2: It could be something worse. Um, I'll say, i give them this. They have had bad stretches before and have managed to bounce back to four-game losing streaks. Let's see what they do. The problem is now is that you're know, dealing with the Cubs, you've got the Cardinals coming up again, and then you've got the Dodgers coming here. Um uh, look i mean i'd never thought that there were a team that was going to be good enough to be ten over five hundred i didn 't think they 'd be good enough to be over five hundred um, i the starting pitching has always been an issue um it's it's mediocre to poor uh it 's inconsistent at, at at you know at best um and and uh, I don't think that they're going to have one of these seasons where they're going to end up with 70 wins. I never thought that to begin with. Um, and I think that we're beginning to see some of the younger players begin to contribute. Um, but I um, I think right now, frankly, it's up in the air as to whether this is just an aberration or is this the kind of uh, you know winning 7 out of 16 that maybe we could see the rest of the year.
0: We're talking to Stan Saverin, brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, and Fishman. Stan, what do the Pirates do with Polanco, who has hit so bad and, and for so long? Uh, Meadows is in there right now. How long do you leave Polanco on the bench? Um, as long as need be. Uh,
2: I don't think that you bench him for three weeks at a time. I still think you give him opportunities. Uh, you never play him against a left-handed pitcher, ever. Uh, I think it's too early to give up on him. I say early. He's 26 in his fourth full year, but... Um, there's too much there. I mean, I'm, I'm I don't think that you say we're, we give up, we're done. He's a bust. Uh, but I also don't think that he's earned any kind of regular playing time. And until uh, Meadows cools off, which he will, uh, then I think that he has got to play virtually every day. Uh, I don't think that he, has uh, earned everyday playing status. I certainly never thought he should have been batting up in the two-hole. Finally, they began to drop him. I mean, it reminds me of McCutcheon a couple of years ago. They refused to drop him from three to six. When they finally did, he began to hit. Uh, you know, I, I just think that Polanco has lost a lot of his leeway. Uh, he's got to earn that back right now. And to me, of the four outfielders, he is a clear number four.
0: No question. In that vein, what did the Pirates do with Nova? Although he's on the DL right now, which makes that decision easy. But what if Kingham pitches real well? What do they do when Nova comes back?
2: Well, I think, frankly, regardless of how Kingham pitches, I think they ought to be looking to move Nova. Uh, I don't know how easy that'll be to do. Nova is pitching like he did, except for a two-month span when the Pirates first acquired him. This is pretty much what what you get with him. Uh, I think they should try to move him if they possibly can. Uh, again, if Kingham pitches, that makes the job a little bit easier. I don't know what kind of market there would be for Ivan Nova, but you never know as the season progresses. A contender says, "You know, we lost a starter. We can fit this guy in. He can be the fourth or fifth guy." Uh, Um, You know, for right now, um, I I think that he would be the most likely to take out of the rotation, except he doesn't do you any good in the bullpen, and most likely he'd be the most difficult to transition out of the rotation. So, you know, whether that means cool, probably not. Uh, Williams actually I think has been our best and most consistent pitcher. Uh, Tyone, we still don't know. What his deal is, I'm just thinking, being realistic about the upside potential of this team, that um, Ivanova, to me, is trade bait. So are guys like David Fries. It's not a matter of performance. It's a matter of, you know, they're not going to win a pennant with these guys. These guys are in their early to mid-30s. It's time to start making some room for some other people.
0: Uh, Amen. And, Stan, all I want is for the Pirates to play the best guys. Meadows and Kingham, at least while each is performing well, just play the best guys. But they don't always do that.
2: No, I think there's a certain protocol that's involved. Um, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, give it an opportunity. Uh, I mean, I like Sean Rodriguez as a utility guy, but anything more than that, um, I think you're asking too much of him. Stan, he's hitting 184. Yeah, I mean, guys like that, they will expose themselves. When you play them too often. I mean, he's a good late-inning defensive replacement occasionally against a left-handed pitcher. Uh, contrary to popular belief, and I know people say, look how much money they make. Nobody plays 162 games anymore. It just is and done, and you got to be smart about that. So he's a good guy; he's versatile. You know, you need that kind of versatility. Uh, but I also don't think that he should be considered a co-equal, if you were, if you, if you will.
0: Stan, what's your take on Game One of the Stanley Cup Final? It was certainly exciting.
2: It was really. <laughs> It was really exciting. I, I'll be honest, Mark, I was really surprised um, at how loose it was. Uh, you know, normally, you know, the teams are tentative. Uh, they only saw each other twice during the regular season. What they know of each other is just through scouting and on tape. And teams are tentative. Game one, Stanley Cup finals, you know, first time for uh, Vegas, obviously, and first time in a long time for the Capitals. I was surprised at how open it was. Uh, maybe that's part of being tentative, you know, you're afraid of making a mistake. Um, it was extremely entertaining. Um, the officiating was even more abominable than it normally is. Um, and for those who are really into the sport, they recognize that. But for the people who just turned in for the uh, entertainment value, um, it was highly entertaining. Um, uh, you know, when Flurry knocked in that goal by Wilson, I thought of the Mike Lang saying, I've seen that fish before. Um, you know, he used to do that with some regularity on occasion. Um, I, I think things will tighten up. I think things will settle down um, uh, in, in game two. Uh, but, again, the Wilson hit, I mean, that's what people are talking about now. Um, it also belies the notion that, well, gee, if you have Ryan Reese on your team, Tom Wilson would never do that stuff. Well, guess what? Um, he'll still do it, and he'll continue to do it because he continues to get away with it.
1: Well, how
0: about Revo scoring a game-winning goal? Uh, Never mind the protection factor, but does that mean the Penguins shouldn't have traded him, that he would have been a better fourth liner than who they kept? He would have been a better
2: fourth-liner than who they kept. First of all, let me say the goal never should have counted because he committed an, an egregious cross-check. It should have been a penalty. He should have been sitting in the penalty box, but they let everything else go. Uh, I, I think you have to answer that question, and I realize that none of this conversation would be prevalent if Derek Brassard had done what they thought he was going to do, and yet still might. But if you like the Derek Broussard trade, then you cannot say that you want Reeves back because the reality was if you don't involve Reeves, you don't get Broussard. If you don't get Vegas to take his salary, then Ottawa was involved in that too. If you don't get, you don't get Derek Broussard. And I realize the fact that Broussard underperformed is a factor, but I'm going to put it this way. If Ryan Reeves is on the Penguins, they still get eliminated by the Capitals in round two.
0: If an expansion team wins the cup, is that the second biggest miracle on ice ever? I don't <laughs> think it compares to 1980s, Stan, but, it, but it's, uh, it might be number two. Uh,
2: it, it's 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 amazing. Um, you know, when you stop and think, especially in the NHL, what, and traditionally in all sports, what expansion teams have been like. I mean, I remember when uh, Ottawa came into the league. What was that, 92, 93, whatever it was? Um, I remember looking up their first three years; they were just awful. I mean, it was, it was. In fact, I looked it up. They had the worst winning percentage of any team in any sport after three years of existence. That's how bad they were. And I understand the league didn't want that to happen again. Plus, the guy paid what six hundred million for the franchise. I think that they were a bit liberal because I don't think they took into account not only the rules for expansion, which Bettman said today they're going to do for Seattle, but there were salary cap issues that never existed before. Good players were let go because of the salary cap. There was no salary cap in 1993. That meant more and better players were going to be available to Vegas. And how many expansion teams started their first year with a sure-fire Hall of Fame goaltender? The answer, none,
0: and it won't happen again either. Stan, you're going into the Pirate Media Hall of Fame. Congrats! And I got him in. I'm a little surprised they put you in before me, but <laughs> but, but it is a big deal. I, I I feel good for you.
2: Well, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate that. Um, I'm I'm really honored. Um, I am. I'm truly honored and flattered. Uh, they haven't put anybody in for 25 years, and um, uh, I, I, I I'm. Who was look- the last guy? Was it Pally? Um, I don't know if Pally was the last one to go in or maybe it might have been Sally O'Leary. Um uh I think maybe they went in the same year. I'm not quite sure, but it ha- it has been, you know, is over 3 rivers as you'll remember. Um and, and they just got away from doing it. Um and uh I I I take it as a great honor. I I'm not going to downplay it. I'm looking forward uh to the ceremony. And the only reason that I got in before you is that I'm just slightly older than you are. So
0: well, I mean, you show up a lot more than I do, too. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> Stan, anyway, great stuff today. Have fun at the deal, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Mark. That is the great Stan Saverin. I just wish he wasn't going to Smizak. I'd make a bigger deal if he wasn't going to Smizak. Or he, Joe Madden still won't give it up. Joe Madden just said after the slide was declared illegal by MLB, you have to teach proper technique. Diaz has to get out further. You know you know what I would do if I were Nick Kingham? My first pitch I'd throw a Joe Madden in the dugout, I'd just beat him off that old beanbag head of his and and he, you'd be a hero in Pittsburgh forever. Talk to Bob up next, 1059.
1: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Just
0: all kinds of loose women. <laughs> women in various states of moral decay. I wasn't kidding.
1: The X at 1059.
0: Uh, I just found out Bob Bachoski died. Covered him when he played for Gateway High School, played for Pitt, got drafted by the Raiders, but injuries severely limited his NFL participation. Uh, Buck was a real good guy. I remember him from way back when, and uh, my condolences to his family, and especially his son, who's going to graduate from Gateway High School in the very near future. Joined out by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, I read some clips from Josh Yowie's article, at TheAthletic.com about Phil Kessel, in which Joey said that Kessel has been a pain in the ass to anybody who's ever coached him. <laughs> and that's easy to see. That is easy to see even observing from a distance, isn't it?
1: Mark, That uh, I read the article also, and that whole story is a summation of many of the appearance, appearances that Josh has had on this show for the last season. And it's funny, the picture, for anybody who hasn't read it yet, the picture that accompanies it is... A very stoic Mike Sullivan, arms crossed, standing directly over Phil Kessel with laser beams on going the bench. on the bench with lasers going through the back of Kessel's head. And he's like looking at the ceiling of the arena or maybe wondering what the organist is playing at that time. It's such a perfect picture for the rest of the story. These guys are doing their own thing, each of them. Um, and boy. Well, yeah,
0: but Mike's the boss and Phil is supposed to do what he's told. However. I happen to think Phil should play with Malkin. Mm-hmm. I happen to think the team would be worse if they traded Phil. I happen to think that because it would make Mike's job easier, isn't a good enough reason to trade Phil. Coaching's supposed to be a difficult job. Unless you can get unexpected return for Kessel, I just don't see how they can logically deal him.
1: All valid points. And the one thing that stuck out there is that uh word around the room or word around the organization is that Kessel was furious for not playing with Malkin. Now, if that's the point, um, you know, we've seen him on the bench, you know, saying what he wants to say. We've seen him making his point with other players and probably sometimes even with the coach. Um, but you gotta get around that. If that's what the coach wants you yeah, to do. And
0: Mike's a great coach. I'm not in any way excoriating him or suggesting right. that 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 the players are bigger than him, except for one fact, which is the players are bigger than him. This is Pittsburgh. It's a player's team. It's not a coach's team. Scotty Bowman learned that the hard way. I think Mike would do well to remember that, to to, to find some some means of compromise to keep a guy like a Phil Kessel because you can't just base it on the coach's vision. Winning is more important than the coach's vision. and And by that I mean I thought he tried way too hard to – artificially affect balance uh this past year and in particular in the playoffs by dividing this three stars up among uh separate lines. That's nice to do that. It looks like balance until you realize Dominic Simone's on the first line and Riley Shea in centering Phil Kessel.
1: Yeah it seems like that there's a little bit of fault on both sides here that the relationship didn't work. Maybe uh you know Coach Sullivan, like you just said, should have you know bent a little bit in not making sure that his vision was front and center. And again.
0: Honestly, it, and I'm a big, sully guy, nobody cares about his vision. Well. It's y- all results, period.
1: But on Kessel's end of this one, you know, if you're mad that you're not playing with somebody, you're paid to play, you're paid to play your best. You got to get over that. I, I mean. Yeah, make, he's not going to. No, well. I mean, it, I understand you've got to get over that. He's not going to. Well, then you have to get rid of him because it's, if it's going to affect his play and he's not going to play up to what they need from him, it doesn't play him help with the team. Why not play no, with totally understood. Totally understood. But if he's not going to... Phil here's the thing.
0: Bill should do what he's told, but he also is right about he should play with Malkin.
1: And again, the same with with Coach Sullivan. Like I said, there's blame here on both sides, and you can, you know, slide the well, there's scale. there's not even
0: really blame, per se. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just a... Uh, incendiary relationship,
1: yeah, maybe blame that the relationship doesn't work that well, um but yeah if he's gonna if he's going to stay here they're gonna have to maybe he flies up to Toronto again this summer and he spends a little bit more time
0: isn't it odd <laughs> that Mike talked about how good that meeting was, and phil wouldn't never did that that might say that one guy thought it was good anyway
1: a- absolutely again, two guys they both want it their way, and they don't they're not on the same page at all
0: i re- I'm reminded when Eric Foreman said that. Me and Don have never been happier. And Hyde said, well, one of you is.
1: (laughs) Um, Someday i got to start watching that show.
0: You indeed do. That should be a condition of your employment. (laughs) Um, Are the Pirates going to retaliate against Anthony Rizzo tonight? And how important is it that they do so?
1: They can't. They can't put it on the rookie. Uh, I mean, yes, they should. They should have last night. I agree 100%. You you
0: know what? uh, Stan was right on the money. They need to do it last night, and then it's over, and tonight's just another game. But now it's like the... The uh, the Jets and the Sharks and West Side Story.
1: <laughs> well, the thing about you know, they're
0: eyeing each other up and snapping their fingers.
1: Right, you know that's why Stan's going into the hall because he says stuff like that. But his point was right on.
0: Dated though it may be, right? It was Actually, you know it was it was me who said that. Damn it!
1: <laughs> well, it should have been handled last night. You know, I'm not a huge retaliation type guy. Over the years, no, I've no. gotten so uh, sick Bob, of them. As I've said I hate it but
0: it is the accepted culture of baseball.
1: And this is the reason why. For this point the you Cubs have, have to made do the it. the
0: Pirates their bitch for years.
1: Yeah, that was that was a strong take as they say.
0: Well, look at when Chris Cocklin, you know, you know, messed up young Ho Gung so badly on that slide.
1: And the Cubs reveled in it.
0: Yeah, they reveled in it. I mean, Madden was making jokes about it. Oh, yeah. it must be plantar fasciitis.
1: Yeah, that, and even the stuff, you know, as he said after this one about, you know, he's putting that on Diaz for not being far enough out in front of the yeah, plate. Say, say real on. condescending.
0: He'll learn. He'll learn what to do. Yeah, like I said, Kingham should just hit Madden in to the head tonight with the first pitch.
1: Well, I'll be real interested to see what the takes are from Madden. He should
0: take like he should sneak like ten balls out to the mound and just fire one after the other at Madden.
1: You know what? That would be that would make all of the highlights show if he did throw into the dugout.
0: <laughs> and then and then when they have when they have him subdued, like Cervelli starts doing it from close range, <laughs> he takes like balls right to the umpire's path and just... Fires them.
1: Well, hey, if it's getting so silly one way that the Cubs are just going to take advantage of the Pirates time and time again and nothing's going to happen. C-
0: Cervelli's not hurt, is he? He's okay, right? I believe so, yeah. Yesterday was just a day off for him. wonder if you should play Diaz tonight. You see, one thing I said...
1: Well, you know, should... Rizzo, I already saw the Cubs line up. I know Rizzo's in there. Of
0: course, he's one of their best guys. Yep. But what I said earlier is so prescient to this. Five Pirates hit the ball and ran toward first base where Rizzo is. And if any of them said anything, it was apparently to tell Rizzo that what he did was okay.
1: Yep. Well, I've seen... Well, they're
0: they're cowards, right? I mean, that's a strong word, but that's what they are.
1: Well, I don't know if it's cowards if it's coming from the top. I mean, if they tell you not to do something... Then Clint's a coward. Well, absolutely. Or... And
0: you know what? You know what? You don't have to be told from the top what to do. If you're Rich Rodriguez, you hit Rizzo. Any pitcher would know that. And I know he's a rookie, but he's an old rookie. He's been in pro baseball for like seven years.
1: But what if you're told not to? Like you want with every bone I, of your body. I I'd hit to him do and do I'd say it got away
0: from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's Bob McLaughlin. He's brought you by eighty four lumber. Up next, I'm gonna give this away. Joe Madden makes the list. I'm gonna talk about what an ass he is. one oh five nine.